0: Welcome to Love Bites. Love Bites. Love love, Bites. Love Bites. By Dr. Tara, your destination for sexual wellness and mindful relationship advice. Hope you're having an orgasmic day. Do you want to become sexually powerful? If the answer is yes, go to lovebites.co and check out 30 Days to My Best Sexy Self a sexual mindfulness journal. This ebook will change your life. In this sexual mindfulness journal, I offer the tried and true methods to become more sexually confident. It's for everyone who wants to have the best sex life possible. Hello, loves. I have a feeling that we all have had an experience with toxic relationship. Today, we have our guest, Lauren Coletti. She is the host of the sex positive podcast, uh, a doctoral student, and really a huge advocate of all things sex positive. Uh, hi, Lauren. Hi, I'm so happy to
1: be here with you, Dr. Tara.
0: Of course, lovely to have you here. And I'm excited to get our conversation started about toxic relationship. Mm-hmm. I remember, I remember when we were brainstorming, like what would like, be the, the most awesome, informative supported. thing to talk about uh, today? Um you were like, "I can talk about toxic relationships." And I'm like, damn, that's on point because, I have a feeling that millions and millions of people have similar experience. So can you share your experience with the most toxic relationship you were in?
1: Mm, That's a good question, because I was like, I've been in so many. I could talk about this all day. Um, Unfortunately, the most toxic relationship I've been in, and I feel like most people have been in a toxic relationship, whether they want to label it as that or not. I was 21 years old. So I was fairly young. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, in my time growing up, we didn't have sex education. We didn't have people coming into my high school saying this is a sign of abuse. If this is happening, it might be unhealthy. Mm -hmm. So I had to learn when I was in the thick of it. It was a two year relationship. It was incredibly abusive um, and all abusive relationships are toxic, but not all toxic relationships are abusive, so I just mm-hmm. want to make that distinction. And it took me leaving, I want to say an average of 5 times before I can actually leave the relationship and choose myself over that person.
0: Oh gosh. Uh so it so you're saying that this relationship was both abusive and toxic. Correct. Yeah. Uh was it emotionally abusive? Uh, or even physically abusive? It was all
1: of the spectrums of abuse. So there's uh, religious abuse, financial abuse, physical abuse, sexual abuse, and emotional verbal abuse. It kind of encompassed all of those. Um, Whoa. Yeah, so every abusive relationship is for sure toxic, but not every toxic relationship has abuse in it.
0: But you were in the thick of it and in both all kinds of abuse types. And it was super toxic.
1: It was so toxic. And I think at 21 years old, it was my first love. So Mm -hmm. I tried to do anything and everything to salvage the relationship. And I ended up leaving for good after um, I got a traumatic brain injury from this person. They
0: Damn, Lauren. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I said, you know what? Um, I have to go or else I'm going to lose my life.
0: Oh, my gosh. So uh, what you were saying that it was abusive in so many ways. Can you give some examples to like how your partner was being abusive? Sure. So the, the most painful
1: one for me personally was the, uh, sexual abuse and the emotional mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. The
1: relationship started out as a fairy tale dream. This mm-hmm. person does everything I thought I could want him more. He was very charismatic, charming, um, very perfect, uh, so to speak, the way he portrayed himself. Then over time, a month in, the verbal abuse began, but Mm -hmm. I had such low self-esteem that I blamed it all on myself. And I think that's something a lot of us tend to do is we doubt our intuition and we blame ourselves. So Mm -hmm. it started out as verbal insults, cursing me out, uh, controlling, making rules for me, being very jealous and possessive. And then it just escalated. What would he
0: say? Like, what were some of the things that he would say? Uh, and if I'm probing too much, feel free to stop me. And But I, I feel very honored that you're willing to share your experience on my podcast. And I do think that this needs to be talked about so that it gives like frameworks and examples for people like, hey, listen, this is ha- this has happened to Lauren and like isn't happening to you because this is abuse.
1: It is for sure. Yeah. So
0: like what what would he say? Like, oh, you're a bitch, or like what were some of the things he would say?
1: Yeah, it started out as digs like that, um, calling me a slut. Um, right. when I told him, you know, I think a big part of a healthy relationship is being vulnerable and sharing mm-hmm. with each other. And I told him I had a an eating disorder for 13 years, and he was like, You're too fat to have an eating disorder.
0: Whoa, that's so hurtful. So mean. He was and so- also, you just shared, like, a huge part of your history. Like, be more empathetic. For sure.
1: And uh something I disclosed to him about uh two months in is that when I started out at college, at 18, I was raped on campus. And he told me that I was disgusting and that he called me used goods. And made me what? feel really bad about that experience. Yeah.
0: So- and... And how how would you react when he did that?
1: I felt so taken aback because I was very confused. Something called gaslighting is where someone tries to make you believe that you're crazy and you're the problem and you're just right. over-exaggerating. So he told me my reaction, I was being too sensitive
0: and oh. something
1: I've been told my whole life being invalidated. So I trusted him over myself.
0: Oh, wow. And so what were the other kinds of like, what would, what else did he do?
1: Started out very, um, possessive, right? So he would look through my phone. I had to, oh gosh, that's like already a bad sign. (laughs) Uh, Big red flag. (laughs) Yeah. I had to cut off a lot of relationships with my friends. I wasn't allowed to wear makeup, uh, in fear of other men looking at me. He told me I wasn't allowed to go to school because I had to spend more time with
0: him wow
1: yeah it was kind of uh he made it seem like i was his property and that's very degrading and demoralizing
0: oh my gosh and so after uh all of this happened like how long were you together
1: we were together on and off for two years uh at first two years yeah it was a while it took many times to leave the relationship for good
0: Mm -hmm. yeah well statistics show that Uh, a lot of victims of abuse ended up staying in the relationship. Of course. And that would kind of be the case. What, uh, you know, I'm curious, uh, a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot. Some people have told me that sometimes in these like abusive or not abusive, like sometimes in toxic relationships, perhaps there's no abuse, but it's like very codependent, very like unhappy uh, or unhealthy, I would say people have told me that the sex is bomb. So how was sex like in that relationship?
1: Okay, so uh, trigger warning and disclosure, uh, there was a lot of sexual abuse going on in this relationship, um, unfortunately. But uh, the other times when it was actually consensual, the sex was really
0: good. (laughs) Really?
1: I know it's kind of like a double. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, he was a very passionate and giving lover, Uh, Mm -hmm. spent a lot of time on foreplay and on me and made me feel kind of like glorified sexually. Mm -hmm. Um, Granted, it could have been due to his behavior of being an abuser uh, to add to the confusion.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like make you feel good. So you like stay Uh like like look at look at this. You know, I like give you a lot of head like I love you.
1: Yeah. And for me, that was so rare to find because I'd never been with someone that wanted to spend that much time trying to please me. So
0: Mm -hmm. I thought
1: it made me feel special in a way.
0: Right. Wow. So when it was consensual, you felt like it was pleasurable.
1: Yeah. I mean, this person, um, I I hate to label him diagnostically, but he had a lot of uh, the symptoms of what we would call sex addiction. Mm -hmm. He wanted sex maybe five times a day and it was- It was a lot. Um, so it, a lot of times, you know, when I tell people when men are concerned about penis size or lasting longer, I say sex that lasts an hour or two could very well be painful. That's mm-hmm. not what we want as no. people vulvas, you know, there needs to be some balance. Um, so the sex with him was either really good or really bad. There was really no in between.
0: Really? So yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it lacks this uh, consistency and stability. hmm
1: there was no intimacy. It was strictly just fucking with this person. And for me in a long-term relationship, I am very, I'm a cancer. I'm very romantic. I really <laughs> love
0: that intimacy. Oh, <laughs> cancers are so great. I know. <laughs> yeah. So like, you know, after sex and you're like, Oh my God, I love you. And you yeah. love me. And this relationship is perfect, but then it goes back to being toxic.
1: Of course, that's what that's what adds to the. Uh, a lot of times, victims of domestic violence or abuse will have such brain fog they don't know what to believe because half the time the relationship is is good and things are going well, and half the time it's terrible and it's torture. So that's what we call walking on eggshells all the time and never really expect. Yeah.
0: So in this relationship, finally, you left for good. What were some signs that helped you realize your relationship was toxic?
1: Mm. So I always, especially being um, like a psych person, I'm a huge advocate for therapy. At this time, I was actually going to a domestic violence shelter and I had individual therapy as well as group therapy. So I think for a lot of people, when they feel isolated and lonely in a relationship, Sometimes we could be scared to be alone. And I feel like that community support and having that treatment team or support of a friend, a family member, a therapist even really can help you to feel less and more grounded in your decision to leave. So that really was crucial for me, uh, hearing Mm -hmm. other people's stories and knowing I'm not alone and what I feel is valid.
0: So you were in the relationship with him while going to therapy correct and through therapy you realize like uh-oh i am in a fucking toxic relationship
1: yeah i started to get very physically sick and even if you don't get physically sick a lot of people can just feel drained or they they feel like something's not right we always know but a lot yeah of the-
0: our bodies are so smart
1: our bodies do not lie. And mm-hmm. I got so physically ill that I actually went to the gynecologist one day for my yearly pap smear. And she told me that I had stage one ovarian cancer. And I am thousand percent convinced that it was due to the relationship and the stress that that relationship put on my body. Mm-hmm. So that I knew I had to get out of there. And three months later, it was cleared after I left the
0: relationship. Wow. So yeah you know, a lot of times, like I want to speak about the nuances of leaving because even at the beginning you said like it was on and off two years. So apparently you left multiple times and went back. Uh, How did you like leave finally?
1: Yeah, so we'll see this a lot of times in dysfunctional relationships, the back and forth. The breaking up, getting back together, breaking mm-hmm, up, getting mm-hmm. back together, because it's, it's intermittent reinforcement. We got that high and then it dips low and our brain chemicals and hormones go crazy. So I really had to choose myself over this person. I always say this, I, I loved that person, or at least I thought I did. Uh, my vision was a little bit jaded, of course, but I had to really stick with my decision and gain that courage in myself and know that it's okay to go back. You know, it's, it's okay to get back together with someone. It's very confusing. It's not as simple as just leave. I hate when people say, well, if you're not happy,
0: why don't you just leave?
1: That's, that's not helpful. And if someone, you know, is in a relationship like this, please don't say that. What people need is empathy. They need support. They need validation and compassion because they're probably not getting it with their partner.
0: So how would you say that people around the person that's in a toxic relationship can help support them?
1: Please just listen.
0: Just Just listen.
1: Don't give advice.
0: Yeah, don't don't give give unsolicited unsolicited advice.
1: Please don't give advice. It's tempting because a lot of us are fixers. We hear uh, someone we love is hurting and we want to help them.
0: Right, right. And we like genuinely love the person and it's our friend and we want to help and we can't see them getting hurt anymore. But what can we do?
1: We have to realize that we can't make decisions for people and when their time comes that enough is enough, they've reached their breaking point, they will make the decision to leave. So all you can do is really be there for them, support them, ask, what do you need? Validate, I'm so sorry, that must be really hard. And something that I want to say to not do, don't shit talk the person, trash talk the partner, because a lot of times if you end up getting back together, it can make the situation really awkward and uncomfortable.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah interesting so you know i have like a few friends in my life or i would say like acquaintances where i feel their relationship is toxic just witnessing them in like a i don't know like a dinner party or in a group thing and i have witnessed some of these couples uh kind of fight or argue about certain things and i have a feeling it's a very toxic relationship and whenever you know my whenever my friend comes to me and you want like want me to console them uh, I hold back on advice and I just I'm here to listen yeah. but also like it's so hard because I know you're in a toxic relationship mm-hmm. and you should leave but then again like you said don't just say like why don't you just leave
1: <laughs> well I think what you're doing sounds really helpful Ta- Dr. Tara and you could even say to them like oh, I noticed this was going on. I noticed they raised their voice at you while you were disagreeing. How does that make you feel in that moment? Because then if they don't realize that that is potentially maladaptive and, and not healthy, then you pointing that out and asking them how that makes them feel might help them to make that connection.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, like kind of planting a little seed so that they can think on their own. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah.
0: The next time someone that their partner like, kind of raised the voice again, then they can be like, "Ooh, Tara said that he did this before and is doing yeah. this again.
1: Learning to build that inner voice because oftentimes people that are in these situations, they feel like their voice doesn't matter or their voice gets muzzled so deeply because they have the their partner's voice in their head telling them, "You're bad, you're wrong." So we just connect from our own inner voice. So it's learning to, speak up and advocate for ourselves again, that is really crucial.
0: Totally. Um, so in that realm of speaking up and advocating for ourselves and like healing, what are some ways uh, people can heal from toxic relationship?
1: I think I would find something that you love to do. Uh, for me, this is journaling. I love writing mm-hmm. as often when I felt like I didn't have a say or my voice was being overpowered, I could go to my journal and get my feelings out. And then I feel heard and seen. So Mm -hmm. that for me has been tremendously helpful, but everyone's different, right? If you love going out in nature, if you love taking a yoga class, meditating, Mm -hmm. doing something, an activity that you can do solo and independent from that person so that you can build your resilience again, because Mm -hmm. Codependence, a lot of times in these situations. So, kind of taking an hour or a day to yourself, learning what you like again, and really treating yourself to that loving care, I think is extremely critical. At least it was for me.
0: Yeah. And I think in this particular scenario where you're in a toxic relationship and maybe you just left that relationship, it's really important to like turn inward and like have some introspection. Yeah. Right. Uh, a lot of times, we're we're we live in this world on autopilot. I feel like a lot of people are on autopilot. Rarely do they look inward to critically examine themselves and like why they do certain things. Yep. And I feel uh, activities like journaling, meditation, yoga, breath work, mm-hmm. these types of activities which can be sexual as well, right? Because I often talk about sexual mindfulness activities. I think these types of activities allow you to have space for introspection, to have space to uh, critically look inward. Mm -hmm. Uh, When I was 21, I think, yeah, like 2021, I was also in a toxic relationship Uh, I don't know if I can define it as abusive, but it was definitely toxic in ways where, you know, I was unhappy. Uh, He was, you know, very controlling. He was looking at my phone all the time, my emails all the time, uh, not allowing me to go out to meet my friends. So kind of similar, like very toxic. But then what I did was I cheated on him because I was very unhappy and felt like I wasn't free. But then I didn't have the agency, the confidence to have an actual conversation. So I did something shitty, I cheated on him. And you know, I had sex with someone else. And that really hurt him. And that ramped up the control. Now I have to like, well not right now but like back then you know when when we went back into a relationship again it was also on and off but we were dating again i had to send pictures of where i was yeah. it's insane to me being in my 30s to think i have to send pictures of who i'm with and where i was is so crazy that that happens and still does to tons of people yeah i have you know uh, a client that came to me and said Hey Tara, is it normal that my husband wants me to video call every time I go out with my girlfriends? I am like, that is not normal. It is not normal. You should be able to have your own space. You're with your girlfriends. Like, he doesn't need to be there, like, you know, through your phone. So that. It makes me feel like a lot of people are still experiencing this control and toxicity in their relationship. Through your experience as a podcaster and you know, a sex educator, what other like toxic um symptoms have you seen in toxic relationships?
1: Sure. And Tara, I just want to say that that is abusive, and I'm sorry you went through that. My ex did the same thing to me. I had to FaceTime him where I was just to prove I was. Yeah, um, that is emotionally abusive, and abuse comes down to power and control, and that is removing your bodily autonomy and making it so that you are controlled and contained, and it's it's not healthy. Yeah, um, but then
0: like the nuances of it is like I couldn't, I couldn't justify not doing it because I cheated on him.
1: I don't think that that matters, honestly, and something a lot of people in abusive or toxic relationships will cheat um, because often when someone tells us you're not allowed to do this, you can't do this. We kind of, it's psychology. We want to rebel. Right. Like, right. Oh, I can do it. It's not an excuse. I've completely been there, but it's also part of healing and coming out of a toxic relationship is recognizing those toxic patterns within ourselves as well, because it's, yes. it's never- if we are in a toxic relationship it's because some part of us unhealed is drawn to that and that is affirming what we experienced in childhood it's affirming how we feel about ourselves mm-hmm. and then it's it's kind of like confirming all of our fears are coming true and that's mm-hmm. manifesting outwardly in the relationship
0: yeah yeah so uh for toxic relationships, like what are some other things that are toxic? Let's list things out here.
1: Yeah. So I would say lack of support, whether that's emotionally, mm-hmm. um, not being able to openly and honestly communicate your feelings because they won't receive it. They'll blame you. They'll degrade you. They'll mm-hmm. shame you. They'll make you feel unsafe. Mm-hmm. Uh Extreme jealousy, a little jealousy, Oh yeah, sexy. It, it, you know, if I was wearing something hot and my boyfriend was like, "Damn, babe, like you look amazing. Like I'm gonna have to like watch <laughs> out. the guys don't eat you up." Like I would like that, you know, because it's like healthy jealousy as compared to putting rules and restrictions on you and making mm-hmm. you feel bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also goes hand in hand with controlling behaviors. If there's a lot of resentment or stonewalling dishonesty, disrespect, uh taking advantage of you, mm-hmm. uh, feeling just feeling drained, there's mm-hmm. there's no trust, um one-sidedness, right? If I'm in therapy, if I'm continually trying to work on myself and improve and make the relationship grow and develop, but the other person isn't taking any accountability or responsibility, that could also be unhealthy. It's it's not equal and yeah. to able to have freedom. In a relationship, of course, by communicating those boundaries, but boundaries should be agreed upon by both parties. It's not what I say goes and you have to. Right.
0: And all of that takes so much communication.
1: Yeah, (laughs) it all comes back to communicating. It
0: always comes back to communication. So in my study that I also talked about on my TED Talk, uh, sexual communication is the strongest predictor of sexual satisfaction. And, you know, a lot of studies already show that uh, communication, it is the strongest predictor of a healthy relationship relational satisfaction so it all comes down to communication like of course there's you know chemistry and attraction but none of that will last none of that can stay long term unless there is good communication Mm a
1: thousand percent
0: so as we were talking about like toxic stuff and listing things out i had an idea and i want to hash this out with you sometimes uh in my opinion i think that Uh, sexual neglect and no like sexual initiation, no sexual desire for your partner is toxic. What do you think about that?
1: Well, I think that everyone has different backgrounds and histories, right? Someone oftentimes a a common sexual problem in couples is that one person has a higher sex drive than the other. So I think that could easily be worked upon if you go to couple's therapy or sex therapy, navigating and communicating, okay, I would be okay with having sex once a week. My partner would be okay with having sex three times a week. Can we see if we could agree upon a number of twice a week? And then you Mm -hmm. can try different things like scheduling sex or Mm -hmm. it doesn't always have to be penetrative sex, right? It could just Mm -hmm. be cuddling or kissing, making out. On the opposite end, in tandem with that, if someone is feeling sexually undesired by their partner,
0: mm-hmm. I,
1: I can talk about this because this is something that's actually going on in my current relationship where sometimes I feel rejected mm-hmm. and that constant rejection, feeling unwanted, it can really take a toll on our self-esteem and how connected we feel with our partner. And if we feel sexually uh, sexually looked past or disregarded, mm-hmm. it can eventually be a factor why many of us leave our relationships.
0: Oh, 100%. In the past, I have been with a partner who wasn't interested in sex. And I mean, he had his own shit to deal with, right? Uh, Like all the like trauma and then all the other, you know, sex stuff like about like body confidence and self esteem stuff like, so I completely understand like you're a human like you have things to work through but to be with me and to continuously reject by saying things like oh I'm too full or "Ah, like I'm so tired tonight or oh can we do it tomorrow and then like tomorrow comes no sex it's it's very taxing yeah it was for me and you know I'm I'm a pretty confident person I would say I'm a very confident person but even with that situation in the past uh, that, that made me feel less uh, of myself. It made me feel lower self-esteem, feel like I had lower self-esteem. Uh, I didn't feel as confident. I didn't feel as worthy because this person in my relationship, supposed to be the person that loves me the most in the world, who is attracted to me, who wanted to date me. And now that we're together, you don't want to have sex yep. and you don't want to have sex for months. And I mean, I have clients that haven't had sex for like years. Yeah. To me, like that's toxic.
1: Yeah, it's perplexing because we internalize that behavior. And inside, we're like, well, what's wrong with me that this mm-hmm. person who loves me doesn't desire to be with me? And- right.
0: Yeah. But then the other side, I have some people that told me, well. Uh, what if I have, you know, sexual anxiety or what if I had trauma that I haven't dealt with and like having sex with my partner is really, you know, triggering. I'm like, well, communicate that. Your partner shouldn't suffer uh, because you uh, couldn't, you know, communicate your uh, current issues and situation, right?
1: Yeah, that's so hard when we have sexual anxiety or body image issues. If we have sexual trauma, that can definitely impact our relationship. I think it's so important out of the gate to have that vulnerable conversation in a safe space, of course, with your partner and say, Hey, listen, this is how I feel. I want you to know I'm trying not to project this onto you. These are the steps that we're going to have to take in order to make me feel safe and comfortable. And if something is too much, think of a a safe word. If, if you want to, if you're starting to get a panic attack or something is triggering your past sexual violence, Mm -hmm. you need to be able to communicate that with your partner, because if you don't, you'll just feel resentful and it will negatively impact the relationship.
0: Totally. It would definitely end in a breakup or a divorce because that is something unresolvable. Right. So like typically, you know, when I talk about like on my TikTok, when I talk about like, you know, not initiating sex is toxic. I always have people that say, well, what if I have trauma? Well, what if I had negative sexual experience? Well, what if I have like low self-esteem? Well, what if I have like body image issues? I'm like, yes, like we all have that. Like I have had that for a long time. We have to work on ourselves uh, and communicate. Expectations, issues, like open communication is like a cure for most things.
1: Yeah. Right? We're all coming into relationships with different dynamics and different histories and different paths. And someone, if you start stroking your partner's neck and you think that's initiating, your partner might not be paying attention and might not know that that's what you want, but I completely get it. Initiating sex is so vulnerable and there's Mm -hmm. that fear of rejection. Mm -hmm. And if we are rejected, it's like our worst fears are confirmed. So Mm -hmm. it takes a lot of bravery.
0: Yeah, totally. So moving forward as someone who has been in a toxic relationship, uh, I mean, both of us have had experience in toxic relationship. What do you think now? Like, how do we take our power back? Like, how do we feel empowered again? How do we become sexually powerful again? Yeah.
1: I am a huge advocate for masturbating
0: Yes,
1: <laughs> I this on my podcast. Like I masturbate every single day because if my partner can't please me, you know, it's my job to please myself. And that has been for me from my sexual abuse, masturbating and learning healthy touch, even if it's going to get a massage with a trusted provider that has taught me that my body is deserving and worthy of pleasure. And I'm capable of giving that to myself.
0: Love that I masturbate. Um, I wouldn't say I masturbate every day, but uh, close, close to every day. Because like if I had sex that day, then I probably wouldn't masturbate. But sometimes I do. Sometimes I had sex that day, like morning sex, and then I masturbate again in the afternoon. Uh, a very uh, active sexual desire. Um, but I would, I would say the same thing is one of the things that you can do to take back that power and to build this sense of security for yourself And this like sexual power for yourself is to know your body really well. Like I know my body really well. If I have to, you know, be like blindfolded and then just verbally instruct someone to pleasure me, I can easily do that because I know exactly where feels good and, and like at which tempo and frequency, um, all of that. So that gives me a lot of power. Like I feel good. Yeah. Because I know me and I know my body and that's very powerful. Another thing too, that I think can make someone feel more sexually powerful is to journal. Mm-hmm. I mean, you journal almost every day, right? Correct. Yeah. I journal almost every day as well. Um, There's like a few days if I'm traveling and stuff, then I wouldn't. But uh yeah, in general, I journal almost every day and journaling has been very healing and actually very powerful for me. Because I will literally write things like, I am fucking sexy. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I know it. (laughs) Or like, you know, uh, sex this morning was amazing. And I know it was because I contributed 50% to that sexual encounter, right? Like my partner learned to be really good too, but it's because I was really good too. Yeah,
1: the affirmation.
0: Yeah. The affirmations and just like this writing it out, like it's putting it out there in the universe. Like, you know, I feel good about myself. I feel good to write about it without feeling silly because I know it's true.
1: Absolutely. I love, love it.
0: it. Uh, okay, cool. I want to play a game with you. Hey. Would you be interested in a uh, little quickies? Yes. Yes, I am. <laughs> All right, Lauren. So, the next segment is called 10 Quickies with Dr. Tara, and I'm going to give you a word and you just give me your first reaction. Sure. Are you ready?
1: Do it. I'm nervous. <laughs>
0: okay. You love you'll love this. The first one, masturbation.
1: Necessary.
0: <laughs> yes. Number 2, love.
1: Ooh, powerful.
0: Mm. Number three, polyamorous relationship.
1: Communication.
0: Number four, swinging.
1: Boundaries.
0: Number five, anal. Optional. Number six, lube.
1: Ooh, required.
0: <laughs> number seven, S&M.
1: Fun when done correctly.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, number eight, threesomes.
1: Ooh, uh Consent
0: nice number nine squirting
1: oh uh not everyone can do it but it's fun to try to learn if you want to
0: (laughs) yes and last but not least number 10 you ready i'm ready i don't know if i'm ready (laughs) using a vibrator while penetrating
1: oh sexy that's so hot
0: it is right it feels so good
1: people need to try that
0: i know and i wish to take away this stigma that a lot of people have that like oh i'm less of a man when my woman uses a vibrator like no it's not it's not a competition like Mm -hmm. both of you are amazing
1: adds to the experience
0: (laughs) totally okay before you go any last words
1: I just hope that everyone knows that they are deserving of happiness. You are worthy of joy and you are entitled to a relationship that makes you feel good about yourself.
0: Love it. Love it, Lauren. And everyone listen to Lauren's podcast. I was a guest on her podcast once. So definitely check it out. The sex positive podcast. And I'll have her info in my uh, show description today. Thank you so much, Lauren.
1: Thank you. I love your show. I love the work you're doing, and I'm just—I'm so proud of you because I remember when you came on my podcast. You're like, "I'm thinking of starting a podcast," and
0: yeah, beautiful. It's incredible. And oh, thank you. And look at this beautiful uh, cycle. You're here on my podcast now. Yes, (laughs) love it. All right, loves. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you all. Thank you for your support, and have an orgasmic day. How amazing would it be if you don't have to hold your vibrator? Let me introduce you to Eva by Dame, hands-free vibrator. Eva is a hands-free, waterproof couple's vibrator that gives you clitoral stimulation during penetrative sex. You're going to feel so good while Eva stays out of the way so you can focus on the moment. Use the link in this episode's description to the product page and use my discount code Doctor Tara for 10% off have an orgasmic time. Thanks for listening. This was was Love Bites Bites. by Dr. Tara. Follow Dr. Tara on social media at lovebites.co. Have an orgasmic day.